0: Listeners and now viewers, I'm Dr. Katie Grant, Risk Prevention Medico-Legal Lead here at Medical Protection and your past host of the Real World series way back when we relaunched the channel in 2022. To keep things interesting, we'll not only be bringing you the podcast you know and love, but when the lighting is right, we'll be delivering more of these vodcasts, basically a podcast that you can watch to see the faces behind the voices. We hope you've taken away something from that focus on speaking up on respect and well-being. It's a theme we revisit from time to time, as we know it's a constant challenge for members. But over the coming months, I'll be joining you on some new podcasts that will take a closer look at what an expert witness is and how you could become one. we we'll are here from some up and coming speakers that you could tune into at our Caribbean and Hong Kong conferences. Plus, there's a few other surprises, but I'll keep quiet about them for now. As I alluded to, we'll be talking a bit more about what an expert witness is to, well, without giving too much away, about a problem we're experiencing in this area right now. Taking us through this series won't be me, but instead a good colleague of mine, Sarah Grewer, claims team lead in Ireland. Sara is a solicitor and a senior member of the team and handles many of our most complex and high value claims. Sara's role is to support members dealing with claims, being their point of contact when a claim is made and answering any questions they have and explaining the claims process and what they can expect. Sarah then works with our solicitors in our Dublin office to direct the investigations and ensure that we employ the best experts and barristers to understand the claim. Sarah, it's so wonderful to have you host this series for us. Delighted to be here. Thanks, Katie. Thanks. So now I might hand over to you to share what this podcast will be about and who you'll be talking with.
1: Great. Thank you. Well. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're here to talk about a new campaign initiative medical protection has launched and that is to support members to become expert witnesses. Now the person that came in mind that knows this better than anyone to speak to today is my colleague, Patricia Canedo. Patry, as we know her, joined medical protection in 2018 and is our policy and public affairs manager, and she's also the lead on this campaign. A wee bit about Patry before I tell you about the policy, before joining us, Paty works in the charity sector in different external communications roles. She has not one, but two BA honours in Spanish philology and English philology, as well as an MA in International Studies and Diplomacy from SOAS University of London. That really gives us a good insight into two of her biggest passions, which are languages and politics. Outside of work, Paty and I share a few of the same interests. Very long walks, agreed. Shopping in Zara, always. Trying new craft beers, Running and training, she loses me a bit there. She loves travelling and is currently learning Arabic. She's also a qualified personal trainer and a private tutor teaching English and modern languages to children and adults. As you can see, Patry has a diverse and fascinating work life, and she's well placed to see the benefits of having lots of strings to one's bow. We're really hoping that after listening to today's podcast, you'll also be encouraged to think about adding another string to your bow, namely expert witness work. Patry, thank you so much for joining me today. The Expert wits campaign is one that's really dear to my heart as a solicitor. Um, I advise our members on claims that are made against them, and I cannot overstate the importance of good experts. Patrick, can I turn to you? Can you explain to our members where the idea for this particular campaign came from? Of course. Firstly, thank you so much, Sarah, for the lovely introduction. It's great
2: to be here with you. Um, So the campaign actually came out of a conversation with our medical director and some of our in-house medical legal consultants. We... Talking about, uh, in general, claims and cases we were seeing identified that there was an issue with uh, the quality um, of, of expert reports and there was perhaps, but that, that transcended what Medical Protection Society um, had as experts, but also what the courts, the regulators, in the case of, of England, the family courts as well, and uh, the civil litigation system were seeing. And that was a difficulty on obtaining good quality expert witness reports and accounts. So we decided as a medical indemnifier, we were very well placed to start, A, raising awareness about this issue, and be hopefully encouraging some of our members and doctors in general to take up this type of work if they wish to do so as a way, as you mentioned on in your introduction, diversifying perhaps the type of work that some of our doctors and dentists uh, do.
1: Great. And I think, obviously, in I work in the claims side of the business, and certainly we use experts a huge amount. And from my point of view, we have some excellent witnesses that we deal with, Ooh. but sometimes it's the, it's the size of the pool and it's the difficulty identifying experts because not a lot of doctors seem to take on this work, as far as we can see. And from your point of view, from speaking to our various colleagues across the business, why why were they concerned? What what were the key issues that were coming out when they were talking to you about wanting there to be a wider pool of experts? So I think, as you
2: said, part of the issue was not only the quality. There are some excellent experts that we use, and and other you know, solicitors, plaintiffs, regulators use, but rather there wasn't enough um, doctors putting themselves forward. So you ended up relying, perhaps, on a few over and over again. Um, but also that created some issues, which is people retire, people finish their careers, and there was no continuity. So part of these was, yeah. or part of the discussion was precisely. Do we have enough doctors in current practice that are familiar with the system that choose this line of work? And we were seeing that the majority of doctors and dentists taking up this work were perhaps later in their careers when they were more familiar with what it entailed. So we decided to, to create a sort of an awareness campaign about what is an expert witness, what are the duties of the expert and what can we do to diversify and widen uh, that pool. As you said, it's not just the quality or only the quality, but also the, the amount or the quantity of experts that we could go to. And so could the courts.
1: Yeah. And obviously, from my side of things, as I was said, claims are obvious why an expert witness is needed in claims. But it's not just claims that we use experts for, Patry.
2: No, we used experts for regulatory cases. So if a doctor sees themselves in front of the Medical Council in Ireland or the GMC, the GDC, the Dental Council, we use experts in, it's, it's more rare, but in criminal cases too, coronial investigations and of course the family courts as well. So there is a variety of, of um, litigation where experts can be used. There is also expert reports that might be needed, not necessarily for a claim, but rather a medical legal report that has to be written. So I think the skill of being able to give a balanced account and write a report is a useful skill, regardless of whether then it's taken forward in terms of a claim or a regulatory matter if it needs to be done.
1: Exactly. I think think that's a good point that you highlight about the skill that, that is important in terms of medical training and medical work. And certainly to to circle back to being an actual expert witness, As a solicitor, what I would kind of stress to our members is that the role of the medical expert really is central in in order to define Mm. whether or not care has fallen short of a reasonable standard. And that's obviously therefore important to to all concerned, whether it's a claim or a regulatory matter, is important to the family and the patient themselves. And it's obviously very important to our members and the doctors who are involved Mm. in that. And so it really is important that all parties can access appropriately trained and experienced doctors for them, as you said, Patrick, to give that balanced and fair view on the work of their peers. That's that's mm-hmm. what the, the legal profession relies on, the medical profession, to tell us what is an appropriate standard, effectively.
2: That's part of, of, of why this started. I mean, at the end of the day, an expert report, and you know it better than me as a solicitor yourself, it can determine whether a claim or a regulatory matter goes forward or gets closed. So it can give families, patients and doctors and dentists an early closure saving also the taxpayer a considerable amount of money. So actually, it's it's good for everyone involved, uh, for all parties involved, that the expert report is of the best quality that it can be from the very onset of a claim or a regulatory matter, as we were discussing.
1: Indeed. And so as you've said, it, it doesn't surprise me at all that this campaign came about from conversations with our colleagues across the business, talking, as you say, both about some quality concerns concerns about perhaps the demographic and the age of experts and the the size of the pool that's available to us. So obviously you had the the task of taking that forward. So what research did you undertake and what what were some of the key learnings when you went and looked into, was this just our impression (laughs) within the business or was that borne out by the research that you, you undertook? So I think it
2: was corroborated definitely by the research. In the case of the UK, we started by the two most recent reviews, the Williams review into gross negligence manslaughter carried out in 2018 by Sir Norman Williams, and the 2019 uh, review by Leslie Hamilton and Cobble Homicide, commissioned by the GMC. So, those two reviews had revealed issues around the recruitment and the transparency of experts and had some very clear recommendations, including obviously better transparency around the recruitment of experts, but also how experts should be in active clinical. Practice and should give an account of um, their specialty. So they should limit, perhaps, their their uh, reports to those specialties that they feel they have sufficient experience in. And then, in the case of Ireland, it was perhaps a bit trickier, as uh, there wasn't perhaps medical uh, reviews carried out, but rather the law reform commission was the body in charge of having carried out some reviews with regards to the. Uh, expert, the training and the quantity of experts. One was in 2008 and the second one is in 2016. Um, and In this case, it actually not only went um, to issue some recommendations around um, the training of experts saying that there was no standardised approach, but also it mentioned the topic of hired guns or conscious bias as something that was problematic and it was occurring perhaps more often than not in Ireland. So I think the four reviews probably told us something we were already suspecting from our experiences in dealing with claims, criminal and and regulatory cases. But it was definitely a useful starting point of that research that we could go back to when writing our own recommendations in the reports.
1: Great. And when writing the recommendations, obviously we have a lot of medical professionals within our organisation. What were some of the challenges that you were hearing about in terms of why doctors weren't taking on this type of work?
2: I think the barriers were um, considerable and different. And as a linguist myself, I was really interested. And so were some of our colleagues on whether the word expert itself posed an issue. So Mm. our doctors almost put off by the word expert. Uh, Do you want to be called an expert? What is an expert in the end? Uh, How many years should you be in practice before being considered an expert? So there were a lot of almost rhetorical questions around is expert itself a problem to become an expert? Um, And I think in the case of of the UK, part of the barrier was definitely the lack of familiarity with the system, with the legal system, uh, but also an understanding of what expert witness work means entails and your duties as an expert. There is another issue, which is uh, the training provided is generally provided by private third parties. So there is perhaps not as much um, uh, knowledge or a standardized approach with a central register or a list of experts where everyone can access, everyone can go to, and it's clear that there are different specialisms in medicine that, that do expert work. In the case of Ireland, I think there was an added to that, which is the, the the size of the country. It's a smaller country, so there might be more issues around do I want to give an account of somebody else's work when you might know that other doctor. Okay. Um, and I think perhaps demitifying the fact that being an expert, it's only giving a balanced account of the standard of care that is expected. It's not about giving a positive or a negative review of something is just giving a balanced uh, view. I think that was uh, perhaps the the biggest challenge, uh, reframing almost what is to be an expert witness within the parameters that obviously were legally possible to do so.
1: Yeah and it's interesting that you say that as you say smaller jurisdictions perhaps concerns about do you want to comment on a on a colleague's care but I think as we said earlier on it's really important to the profession and, and those who end up needing our support and assistance, you know, they're looking for colleagues to step up and to to take on this work. And often, um, I think you alluded to it earlier on, what we're looking for is people who are in current practice. And did and that come out as, as one of the key issues when you were, were looking at this topic as well?
2: It was, and it was possibly one of the most contentious issues, too. I think it's fair to say that there are great experts and great doctors and dentists that are writing reports towards the end of their careers or even after having retired, and that's perfectly fine. But I think we were seeing that lack of continuity of perhaps the younger generation of, of doctors and dentists taking up this work. So uh, the Hamilton and, and Williams review in the UK recommended that doctors should be in active clinical practice to take up expert work. Yeah. And, and we seconded that review, we reinforced that review. Now, the second question we had to ask ourselves is how many years should one be in, in practice? And and it's very difficult to establish that. You know, in our dental colleagues, for example, said, no, you, you've got to be, you know, a few years practicing dentistry in order to understand the profession appropriately in a medical training is a bit different. So once one person joins the GP register or the consultant register and has been practicing for two, three, four years, you can already start probably uh, giving um, expert reports. So arriving to that conclusion of how do we not discourage the the great doctors that are already giving expert evidence while encouraging perhaps a wider pool, a more diverse pool and, and the younger generations to take up that work was, was one of the trickiest parts of the campaign and one of the maybe more difficult recommendations to actually nail down, I'll say.
1: Yeah. And so that maybe leads us nicely into it. So what are some of the key recommendations and where is this campaign going? What are the next steps?
2: So I think that the, the four main aims of the campaign was the first one, as I've said, to encourage a wider and more diverse pool of doctors, and I'll go into details of that diversity piece perhaps a bit later. The second one was to ensure that there was a register or a list of experts. So there have been calls in the UK for years about having a single register, and that calls has been placed on different bodies that are unable to take up that work. We thought that perhaps in the case of the UK, um, NHS trusts could be better placed to actually have a list or a register of those who have undertaken expert uh, training and wish to put themselves forward as experts in their own area. Um, in the case of Ireland, we decided that the HSE was perhaps better place to do that. Um, and the third recommendation was tackling that issue of training of experts. So, again, there are many training providers that are private and there are great training providers. But we thought the HSC in their HSE land online module could have also a module of expert witness training that could encourage perhaps more of those consultants and GPs to take up that work. So we thought everyone that that does that model could then be on that list from HSE, and then everyone, the courts, plaintiffs, solicitors, could access that list of those who have undergone that training. And the fourth recommendation, and perhaps uh, one of the key ones, is around the issue of system issues and human factors. So I think we've known now for uh, a few years that it's rare that the actions of a single clinician can lead to an adverse outcome. Surely there are some cases in which that's the case, but in general, there is more than that that contributes to an adverse outcome, whether that is IT failures, whether that is shortage of staff, whether that is uh, you know competing uh, patients to treat at a certain moment of time. Um, so we thought that part of, of these Uh, policy paper and policy work should be to encourage those writing expert reports to take into account system issues when doing so, so that the system in which they work can also learn from what has gone wrong in this case and try to mitigate that to avoid it happening in the future. So the system issues or human factors was also a big recommendation, I would say, of the campaign.
1: Perfect. Well. The recommendations sound great, Patrick. Obviously the campaign is in its early stage, but it's great to hear that that's the direction of travel. And just to circle back, you mentioned diversity and you mentioned that you might touch on that again. Perhaps you could touch on that. Was there, I think when we've spoken before, and I, I know the answer to this, so it looks like a question. Were there any of the surprising, any of the findings that did surprise you when you were doing the research?
2: Yes, I think so. So I think as, as part of the expert witness campaign, first wave, we issued the policy papers with the recommendations and we started engaging with different organizations to try and encourage, again, that pool of experts. As a second part of it, like everything we do at the moment, we have a strong focus on diversity, equality and inclusion. So we wanted to know what is that pool of experts made of? How many doctors are uh, women versus men? How many doctors are um, white versus from BAME backgrounds. And we put an FOI with the GMC to reveal the diversity data of the experts they use. And it was really surprising. I think we expected white doctors to be the majority, and they were, I think uh, the number was 67%. Uh, we expected black doctors and black English doctors to be the minority, perhaps not as much as they were. It was less than 1% of experts they used. But I think the real shock came with regards to gender. Um, 86% of the experts used by the GMC are men uh, versus 11% women, and the remaining 3% uh, did not disclose their gender. So I think we were shocked. Uh, I was personally shocked by this number because we know that women are now, for the first time in the register actually this year, surpass men. Uh, but in terms of the total register, I think it's forty-seven fifty-three. So it's almost 50% of those uh, working or registered with the GMC are uh, women. And therefore seeing only 11% are experts was a big shock to all of us. I think.
1: Yeah. And that was the GMC stats. Did you manage to get any similar stats for, for Ireland? Actually? We didn't. We didn't
2: manage to get any okay. stats from the medical council. So unfortunately, all we can base diversity on is uh the GMC we've tried to put similar requests with other public bodies but it's quite difficult uh to record i think to to get the data so thankfully the GMC um did give it to us we also met with them and we know they are uh trying to to encourage also a, a wider and more diverse pool of experts i guess there is a piece there which is you know what are we all doing to try and and recruit if that's the right word experts from different backgrounds so so it's not a criticism of their data, but rather an analysis of it is shocking. We all should be playing a role in improving that diversity.
1: Well, Patrick, hopefully the recommendations put forward in your campaign will encourage more members to get involved. It will encourage a wider pool of experts generally, and perhaps also a wider um, mix of the expert pool as well. Um, I would just like to say thank you so much for being part of this podcast um, as I said before I obviously have a claims background from my point of view experts are essential so anything we can do to encourage our members to think about this work is to be welcomed and I would hope as well from speaking to a lot of experts over my career that a lot of them will find that a really rewarding part of their career so hopefully that will also be of interest to a lot of people in terms of their own career prospects and so with that we reach reached the end of today's podcast um, thank you again for your time Patrick. Um, You've heard from Patrick Canedo and in our next episode we'll hear more about what it is like being an expert witness from a, one of our colleagues who is a doctor and who is themselves an expert witness. Um, I would encourage all members that are keen to learn more about becoming an expert witness to use the links in the podcast description to the register for our upcoming webinars and they're going out live on May 10th and May 24th. So thank you again. Until next week, I've been your host Sarah Greer. Speak soon.